Welcome into another week of the Think Deeper podcast. I'm your co-host Will Harib, joined as always by Joe and Jack Wilkie. Uh, we got a few things we want to do before we get to today's episode. The first thing is uh, we are now what is it about a month past our evangelism episode that we titled the Great Evangelism Challenge. And what we did with that episode is we ended it with just that uh, an evangelism challenge where we told everybody, hey. You know, see what you can do to kind of step up in your evangelism game. And each of us kind of shared uh, the ways that we were going to do that, the opportunities that we saw with the people that we interact with on a day-to-day basis. And so we want to use today's intro for this episode as kind of a check-in point. Obviously, um, we're going to give our where we are, but we hope you, as, as Think Deeper listeners, will uh, kind of consider where you, where you are with that, with that challenge, if that's something that you decided to take up. I'll go first, and I'll turn it over to these guys. I... Um, I've had several conversations. I think I mentioned on the episode that I'm going to try to talk to some of my coworkers who actually most of them are from a very heavily religious background, just not Church of Christ. actually had a good conversation um, with a young man who's 15 uh, who currently attends a Baptist church, and he actually was asking me, hey, how do you, why do you guys worship the way that you do? Uh, you know, I, he, he actually came up and he said, you know, I've, I've, I've uh, studied a lot of the Church of Christ stuff, and I really think the only difference between us and you guys is instruments, so why do you guys not use them? So that was a really cool opportunity to talk to him, and all in kindness, you know, with no harshness about, hey, this is why we don't do it. And at the end of the conversation, I had him saying, you know, yeah, that, that makes sense. That, that What you're saying really makes sense. And so that was definitely the most progress that I got. I still work with this young man um, every week. Uh, and so that was really positive. As far as other places to reach out to, I have not done as well. Um, as far as, again, just other people that I've come into contact with. Uh, but the young man that I, that I work with currently, that was really cool uh, to see. So continued prayers for that as I continue to try to push the envelope there with him. Again, he's only 15, and so it's, it's one of those that he's still with his parents and kind of has to do what they think or kind of has to go where they go. But uh, continued prayers for that, guys. How about y'all? It hasn't been great. Um, it's It's... As we were talking off air, like it's so easy to make excuses. There's, there's so many excuses that uh, are somewhat legitimate, but not good enough. Um, I went out of town for two weeks right after we started that challenge, and so, um, yeah, not not fantastic. Uh, and and the people that I had listed haven't been to the gym as much. Got sick. I was out of town. Got sick. Uh, my wife got sick. I was I was kind of taking care of her for a second, and so. Um, those are all excuses. I realize that, but those that I had looked to, uh, or that I had put on my list to pray for and to, uh, evangelize, I just haven't been around for various reasons. And so, um, I was thinking about this actually this morning as we were talking about, it just was on my heart and on my mind of, cause I, I did go to the gym with, with you, Jack and, um, looking around and seeing those guys going, man, that's, that's something that I said that I was going to do and I still haven't. So I got to get my act together on that, but yeah, so I was the one that decided, hey, we need to do the check-in, and I'm the one that's probably the most shameful about um, not doing it. So yeah, I, I definitely need to get. But my I mean, we d- we did talk about in that episode how this this is a struggle for us. This is one of those things. Oh, big that time. Does not big come time. naturally, and so I think it does start with just kind of being conscious of that. For sure, yeah. And any habit is, is getting the ball rolling is the hardest part, and so uh, in the same place, I actually had conversations with everybody on my list. Um, didn't, hasn't resulted any further at this point, but, um, you know, it's, it's something, uh, I've, where I've needed to improve is the constancy in the prayer, because as we talked about, the prayer is what 
really keeps them on your mind, keeps you looking for the opportunities, and so I've really got to do a better job of that. And so um, we hope some of you guys, you know, joined in. Uh, this might be a reminder because when Joe said it, it was like, oh, yeah, we were supposed to be doing that. Uh, it's kind of been on and off for, I think, all three of us to a degree. And so um, here's a reminder that it was a 30-day challenge, but that was to get something further started. So keep going. Um, you know, obviously, we're going to keep going. We're going to try and be a little more uh, dialed in on it. But, that you know, you that's trial and error. You learn and you grow. So anything else we need to add on that? Benefit dinner coming up next week. Don't forget. Um, still a link to, to sign up for that on uh, the Focus Press website. Uh, yeah, I think that's all. All right. That's it. All right. Let's go ahead. We've got a very... Let's say uh, uplifting episode is that we're going to go with uh, this time. Uh, in fact, this is two uplifting ones in a row. Last week was the reasons for optimism as we look outward in the world, as we look externally. Uh, this time we're going to look internally into the church, into the churches of Christ most specifically. Um, things that we're doing well, things that we think are, are building blocks that that we can we can use for growth, that we can. Um, you know, just look at it and say, this is something that, uh, this is a strong suit, I guess is the best way to put it. And so um, I'm going to turn it over to Will. I think this was, was more your brainchild than uh, mine or Joe's. And so why don't you go ahead and drive us into our outline as we have here? Yeah. So we brought this up before. We don't necessarily want to hide from this, that, w- that we have been told, man, you guys are just so negative. Everything y'all say is just always negative, negative, negative. And so we want to address that before we get into the episode as far as five kind of positive things that the Church of Christ is doing really, really well right now. Um, and we've said it before again, so this might be old news to a lot of you. Look, the church is losing thousands of people a year. There are, there are things that, you know, just just are, are we're hurting in a lot of ways. And so it's one of those things that I personally feel like, I don't know if you guys want to comment, if the church was booming and things were going really, really well, Maybe we would talk more about the positive. So I, I suffice it to say, I, th- we, I think we hit on the negative side of things for a reason. It's not just because we like being doomsday, you know, all is doom and gloom type of people. We're not, we're not those types of people, but we think there's, there's need for it and there's reason, room for growth. But with this episode, we sat down and we were talking about, look, there are a lot of things the church is doing well, and we, don't, we would feel remiss if we neglected bringing some of those things up. So what we're going to do, we got a top five for you this week. Top five... Um, areas that the Church of Christ, um, or that the church nowadays is doing really, really well. And so we came up with five. We do have them numbered, have them ranked. I'm going to kick off the fifth one, and then, Jill, turn it over to you to kind of elaborate on it. As we were talking about this, uh, we talked about how, for this fifth one, the preaching in the church these days is really, really sound. Uh, we're not going to give the caveat for every single one of these. We know that these are generalizations. Obviously, there are congregations that call themselves Church of Christ where the preaching is not sound. We're not speaking to those. We're speaking to the ones that, again, stay true to God's Word. And for the most part, the preaching is sound. It is, you know, it's it's not people kind of going off giving their own opinions. It's not people kind of going off the deep end and bringing in these things that are very clearly not in God's Word and not in the text. It's sound stuff. It's it's straight from the New Testament. It's straight uh, what many people would consider you know sound doctrine. And so, look, we can't ignore that. That's a really really good thing that we don't have preachers for the most part. Again, to clarify, um, that we don't have preachers that are just kind of going out talking about their own pet peeves or, or just kind of ranting about their own things. No, the preaching is sound. Joe, what do you have to add to this one? Um, I think this is actually one that you you put forth as we were putting this list together. Yeah, I think when you consider the, and, and I don't go to, uh, I go to Jackson Temple, Church of Christ, so I don't go to these 
mega churches, these community churches, you know, the, the Grace Chapel type, whatever it is. Um, there's a big one on the way to, to Fairview that I think they, I heard in one weekend, they raised like over a million dollars, uh, for, for their new building. I mean, there's just massive ones out there, but I have watched clips online. I've seen these things. I've been sent some by clients that go to these places and Hey, what do you think of my pastor's sermon? And so many of these are, well, Hey, we're, we have a a special guest today and, you know, Mrs. So-and-so is here to give her testimony about going through the divorce and it's just really moving and there's a lot of emotion to it and everybody's bawling and preacher really spoke to me today. He talked about the trials of life and how we're going to have to just, you know, we're going to have to believe in God through these times, but there's so much health and wealth and, and, and it just, not everybody's Joel Osteen, Prosperity but a lot gospel. of it, yeah. yes, and a lot of it is fluff. I hate to say a lot of it's fluff, and they're very big into testimony. Trust me, I'm not against testimony. But when you're talking about getting up in the pulpit and proclaiming the Word of God, I genuinely feel that we do this better than most, especially better than the community churches who are very much into the the show aspect, the the showiness of kind of the touch getting everybody warm and yeah, getting everybody to to we don't want a a dry eye in the audience. Everybody is is teary eyed and, and boy, it's beautiful. Once again, I'm not calling that out saying that's horrible. I'm saying, where's the scripture? And in a lot of that, there's so much testimony about those things that, you know, what God's done that you fail to crack open scripture. And I may disagree with some of the uses of scripture and and, in proof texting and opening to 60 Bible verses, half of which are out of context. And that's kind of an older way to preach. And, And we still have some of that in the Church of Christ, but at least we're opening the book. At least people come out of there going, man, those those are people of the word. Those are people that actually genuinely care about the word of God. And the preaching reflects that in my opinion. So that's why I put this one forward is I think that there is more than, again, anybody I see online. And I'm sure there are other, you know, Baptist congregations. Oh, we do that too. Maybe. But I think that's a very strong suit of the church. I think there's a heritage aspect of this in that... We didn't. We weren't born out of revivalism. We weren't born out of anything like that. That the origin of the churches of Christ in America was people looking at the Bible, going, "We need to do this. We're not doing what this says. We're we're kind of all over the place, and let's just unite around the Bible itself." And so that's what we do. I mean, that that's again, it's just in our DNA as the churches of Christ is when you come together, we're going to open the Bible. And uh, we had somebody at church uh, just recently talking about they were. Uh, talking to a friend and comparing church experiences and uh, you know his friend's church he said yeah it's just story time with the preacher he gets up and tells story after story after story and as you said Joe you see a lot of that you know I've been places same thing where you meet somebody oh I go to such and such church so okay well what are they about and you look at their doctrinal statements or whatever and you watch a sermon and man it's they're trying to be uplifting they're trying to encourage people and be positive and all that but man people don't know the bible when they come out of there people don't have uh you know they got a lot of jeremiah 29 11 and philippians 4 13 and it's very you know, pep rally-ish the, in a way pep rally you know versus as you said taken out of context but as far as expository opening up the text and telling people thus saith the lord that's really missing, and I, I think even from the earliest times, our kids' Bible classes, you know, I think we've all had a, different experiences of that in different churches, very Bible-driven. It's not just, you know, let's tell you a, a story with a good moral to it, but like, hey, you're going to learn the Bible. You need to know these things. We expect you to learn what it has to say, and again, I think that is a credit to our heritage that we don't skimp on that. We, we make sure the meat of the word is there.
I think this actually, and fellas, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to get into, Jack. I think the the restoration aspect is a great point. Going back to this is really what we pride ourselves on, and you see this throughout the 50s, the 60s, all the way up. There still is a strong emphasis on that, but I think this leads us into our number four. Fellas, is any anything else you'd add to that? So in number four, we have Bible literacy is up, in my opinion, compared to the average believer, quote-unquote, believer. Um, and, and it speaks to the, str- the strength of the preaching. But I really do feel like the average Church of Christ member is able to tell you all 66 books of the Bible. If you mention Genesis, they can tell you roundabout, you know, what, what we see in Genesis. They could talk about Abraham. They can talk about Moses and Exodus. They can talk about general Bible stories, but a, a little bit more, a little deeper. It's not just, oh yeah, I heard of that Noah guy one time. And I think that's something that you see in, once again, um, maybe the, the community churches in Christendom, is this idea that they can barely tell you what the Bible says. And Matthew, is, is, is that a book of the Bible? Um, I don't know, because all my preacher does is tell, tell me about his testimony. It's story time, as you talked about. And so, I don't think the Bible literacy is incredibly high outside of um, kind of in Christendom in general. As a matter of fact, Barna uh, research has has proven this point that when you consider the five tenets of Christianity, very few actually hit it. And we're talking basics like believe in the Trinity, believe in, in Jesus being the, the, the Son of God, um, and that's pretty low, actually. And so the average Church of Christ member, I think, does a really good job of at least reading the Bible and having an understanding of what it says and knowing some less common characters. They know more than just the Noahs and the Moseses. I want to speak to the young people side of this because we have determined this is not going to be a negative episode. We have talked about how we think Bible knowledge could be a lot better. I don't think that, you know, two things can be true at the same time. I think we can say on one hand, listen, our Bible knowledge could be a whole lot better, and then also say, look, it's 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 up compared to the average believer. I think both those things, those are not mutually exclusive. But just from my perspective, as far as interacting with young people over the last few years with my work at Decatur and then, um, you know, other congregations around that area, I was rather pleasantly surprised at not just the Bible literacy, but about how Bible curious the young people were. You know, I think we can kind of give the, the false trope for young people that like, man, they don't care. They just want to go in there and sit on their phone, and they're just they're just in there because their parents are making them. And yeah, that, that's true to some extent for some places, I'm sure. But from my experience and what I saw, the Bible literacy for young people was, again, I was pleasantly surprised, but also just the biblical curiosity. I taught a class on Ezra when I was in Decatur that, you know, you read Ezra cover to cover. Yeah, for you know, it's somewhat interesting, but for a class of high schoolers, they might look at that and go, really? We're, t- we're reading Ezra? We're studying Ezra? Man, they ate it up. They were really interested in it. They they wanted to, to know more. I would come back and I would review what we talked about the previous week, and it was sticking with them. And that was really, really cool to see that they weren't, again, this is one isolated area, but they weren't just in it just because their parents were making them be there or just because they felt like they had to. No, they were genuinely biblically curious about a book of the Bible that doesn't get a lot of press. And so that might be a, a tad bit of a different tangent as far as the biblical curiosity, but I think it very much ties into this concept of biblical literacy being up. Jack, what do you have to add? I think that touches on a really important side point, maybe a broader point about this whole thing, is the idea of relevance. There's so much about we got to be relevant, we got to be relevant. And as we talked about, the preaching of these places is always trying to be relevant to your life today. And what that betrays sometimes is a lack of trust in the Word. That 
all 66 books of the Bible, that every word is inspired, that it's all relevant, that it all has something to say to us today. And it's the kind of thing of like, if you can look at a book like Ezra, if you can look at the minor prophets, you know, some of those parts of the Bible that just don't get much uh, coverage and look at them and be like, well, I just, I can't get as much out of that maybe as the Sermon on the Mount. Well, yeah, the Sermon on the Mount is obviously readily uh, relevant at all times, but so is the other stuff. And and so this idea that let's kind of shy away from that stuff, let's not get to it because we need to stick to that which is relevant. And, you know, we've run down Andy Stanley before about we got to unhitch from the Old Testament and people just don't care about that. And that's the problem. And so it's the question is, do you trust God's word? Do you trust what he's He's given us? And the fact that we teach these things and the fact that our literacy is up relatively says we do. We trust that God's word is relevant. We trust that you can get something profitable out of any of the 66 books of the Bible and, you know, something that, that is relevant to your life, something that will help you grow if we dig into it. And that's that's the only way to develop biblical literacy. And the more you do that, the more you understand the whole thing, the deeper you can go. And it's a really cool thing that we don't have to, like, we don't have to sell that to our people, right? When you come into a Church of Christ, you realize we're going to open the Bible and it's going to matter to you and we're going to expect you to learn it and know it and live it. Uh, whereas other places, it it's kind of something they have to sell people, and sometimes they can't, so they don't. They give up on it. I, I want to add this as well because I think this is a a gla- very glass half full approach coming off the heels of our episode last week about black pill, white pill. Years ago, whenever uh, my dad Brad was uh, going around doing his seminars, he, you know, and we would attend with him as much as we could about half the time. Anytime he sat down to eat, and of course we were with him with the preacher of the congregation or maybe a family that wanted to go out eat with us, dad just, you know, making conversation, he would always ask, what is the, what do you think is the biggest problem facing the church today? And the answer that he got, I would say 70% of the time, was lack of Bible knowledge. And it's one of those things that, yeah, that, that, that is a very big threat facing the church. But the exciting part about that, the glass half full part about that is think about how in your control that is. You as an individual, you as a family, if you see lack of Bible knowledge being a problem, what do you do? You don't have to wait around for anybody. You dig in yourself. You go take the resources and or use the resources that you need to use and develop that Bible knowledge. And again, for churches as well, that's something. If you look around and say, man, maybe our Bible knowledge isn't that great, let's let's really dig into to some textual studies. Let's really devote the next year, the next six months, the next 18 months to enhancing our Bible literacy. Again, it's something that's exciting because it's really in our own control. It's in your own control, whether that be you as an individual, you as a family, or you as a congregation. That's why we at Focus are, are very um, intent on putting things out like Focus on the Word, as, as we're going to be pushing a little bit more coming up. Um, we want to promote Bible study, and we want to promote people who, as you referenced, Will, are very curious about the Word and we'll, we'll save that. There's another point in our outline we'll kind of get to with more of that thought. But again, from a Bible literacy aspect, compared to the average, that's really what it's coming down to. Because people are going to say, hold on a second, guys. As you referenced, Will, and Jack, I think maybe you touched on, like people do see us as very negative, And we have spoken on the lack of Bible literacy. But compared to the average Christian person in the world, and, and this comes into when you have people that fall away. And we've had a lot of people fall away. And so they're in their late 20s, they're in their 30s. The thing is, for the average church member, if they grew up, they know better. 
It's not like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. Like, these people come back, it, my aunt is one of them. She's an atheist now, but she knows the Bible probably better than I do. So they know the truth. There is something, down. right, they know the truth. And there is something to be said about that, that we are sending them, as, as much as they may be falling away, and as horrible and as sad as that is, and something we're fighting against, like, they at least know better, because the Bible literacy is up, and I realize she's on the older end of things, in, in her 50s or 60s at this point, but... um that's something that I think we should take pride in. I want to move to number three, though. Well, and I just want to give credit before we do that real quick sure. to the preachers, the Bible class teachers. I mean, the people we had when we were three years old who were teaching us about people in the Bible. Uh, and the Bible class program I went through growing up, I mean, you went through the entire Bible by the time you had grown up if, if you stayed in it. And places I've been, even as an adult, where you go to this country church, middle of nowhere, there's 20 people in there, and a guy gets up and is digging deeply into Isaiah, and you're like, wow, that that's really cool that you can go to a church of Christ anywhere across the country, whatever size, you know, however many degrees there may be in the pews, that's something that you can expect to get. And and so that literacy, again, yeah, it can, it can always improve, and, and it's something that we... You know, it maybe is going in the wrong direction. It's diminishing, but it's still stronger than most, and it's it's a building block for. We've got every all all the tools there to grow because of these kind of people, and so I, I want to just give thanks for those kind of people. If you are a Bible class teacher, if you're somebody involved in that, keep it up. It it makes a difference. So I, I just wanted to say that before we got to number three. No, absolutely. I think that's a fantastic point. Well, actually, you were the one that came up number three. I'll let you kind of lead us into that. Sure. One. Yeah. So number three, and and to me, this is. It could very easily be number one as we're ranking these as far as the top five goes. But I think congregations all across the United States do an incredible job of being conscious of evangelism and the urgency of it. At least, again, from the, the my perspective and the places that I've been, I, I cannot recall going to a congregation where they were just seemed indifferent towards evangelism. Just kind of like, eh, yeah, I know we need to do that, but yeah, we're not really taking any active steps to do that. That's not the case. Everywhere I've been... And the, the, again, the places that I've uh, not just attended, but the places that I've actually visited and, and talked to people who are from there, we are very conscious of the need for evangelism. We're very conscious for the urgency of evangelism. We're willing to try different things, different methods, different programs, uh, willing to kind of branch out from the, the gospel meeting, tent meeting approach that worked 40, 50 years ago. I see congregations that are actively trying different things, trying to not just under the, the guise of staying relevant, as Jack brought up, previously, but of, well, no, we know that times have changed, so let's maybe change our approach. Don't change the message, but change the approach a little bit. I think that's great, and I think congregations, again, and elderships for the most part, do a really good job of this, of being conscious of the Great Commission, being conscious of the need for evangelism, and making sure that they're communicating that to their congregation. I think this is a really strong, a, a, a solid strong point for the Church of Christ right now. Well, I love your word conscious, because that, I think, is the, the key. We may not always be great at it, we may not be, we may not um, be baptizing people in droves, but I think you're right. The average church member does have it on their mind of like, this is something I need to do. And you see this, once again, we're comparing to the rest of the world, but just kind of this lackadaisical, kind of a malaise approach of like, eh, is what it is. Um, you know, they can do their thing and we'll do our thing. And so it's it, postmodernism has really creeped into the world of, well, that's their truth and they can do their own thing. And I happen to go to church, and I believe in Jesus, but hey, if you believe in the Quran or, or kind of that whole Buddhism thing, then that's okay. And it's not. It's not. There is a need to reach a lost and dying world, and we hear that from a lot of pulpits, and, and we see that from Christians who are very conscious of the fact that we live in a lost and dying world and that people need the gospel. So 
are we fantastic at doing it and we're baptizing people by droves? No, but to your point, Will, I think we're all, we have it on our minds. We may not know why, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to open the discussion on our podcast with evangelism is not that we have all the answers. We need to be starting a discussion as to, okay, what are some new ways that we can reach out where we can start doing this because we do want to make sure it's top of mind and I think a lot of Christians do a good job of keeping it top of mind and not giving in to the postmodern um aspect of well you know they can do the they can do their thing anything goes yeah right well and you see that Joe brought up earlier Barna statistics one of the things is generationally you're getting to the point where people the younger and younger people view evangelism as like rude as well you're forcing your beliefs on somebody else and this is people who claim to be christian are saying well i i can't evangelize i can't you know tell them because that's essentially telling them they are wrong and this is right and they need to change and who am i to you know very much the postmodernism, relativistic truth you've got yours i've got mine we all have our own path to god kind of stuff and that's something we in the church of christ do not tolerate we uh preach against that we make it very clear jesus is the way the truth and the life and yeah, I mean, there, there's just no room for compromise on that, and thankfully there is not. And, you know, again, as you meant, brought up the relevance, the method of evangelism is something we're not compromising on either. That was something that was always frustrating to me, especially in my first ministry, the local cowboy church. And good grief, man, we'd get their flyers. Come to the Cowboy Church Petting Zoo. Come to the Cowboy Church Barbecue Cook-Off. Come to the Cowboy Church Rodeo. And always, I mean, every month having a big event. And they started adding to the flyers after a while. Come to the Cowboy Church Petting Zoo with a star underneath. Must attend worship service first. Because people are just showing up for the events. Imagine that. The party, the food, <laughs> uh, yeah. the, the, the show, like, and then leaving. And so they were making it to where, like, look, you can't get into our special fancy event unless you come and listen to us preach at you a feel-good message for 10 minutes. How and... many times has Joe brought that up? What you win them with is what you win them to. That yeah, might be the, the motto problem, of this I mean, podcast. Like, it was so frustrating that they were booming and we were small, but it was that we're not going to compromise. And, yeah, we, we were trying evangelistic efforts we were trying to preach the gospel handing things out reaching out to people just things like that but there was never a thought of well how could we get people you know to to think we're cool like that that just we don't have that option we don't open ourselves up to those options and i think that's a a good thing you should have gotten better at your beef brisket jack or had every had every church member bring their dogs and cats and if somebody has like a gerbil or whatever and make your own petting zoo. <laughs> petting zoo. Call it a like, petting zoo. Yeah. We have an Australian shepherd here, very rare, and um, this house cat that, yeah. As I, long I mean, as I don't have to put on the rodeo, I'm up for all those. No, <laughs> yeah, there I you go. I cannot picture you Jack in a cowboy hat. Absolutely cannot picture Yeah, that. not happening, not happening. Chaps. Uh, <laughs> Pearl chaps, snap shirt. Actually, you would yeah. be is it, is it so. Shaps? Oh, sorry. It is incorrect. Whoops. Um, I, I say all that to just say there. Every town you go to, you see booming mega churches doing stuff like this, and you can drive by and you can get so frustrated at it, but you realize they're not saving people. They're getting people in the door. They're not bringing people to Christ, and that's what we're committed to. That's you know, and and refusal to water down the gospel is a, a positive thing, and so uh, the evangelistic emphasis is a really positive thing. But let's go ahead on to number two as we kind of near the top of our list here of things that. You know, we're proud to be members of the Churches of Christ. We're proud of, of some of these things. And, and I think these connect. I think these connect. These, Three and two. Yeah, th- this is part of it. 
not swayed by culture. Now, there are ways in which we are swayed by culture, but there's ways in which we're not. There's ways in which we're very much grounded in the old paths, not moving off of it. Uh, a lot of what we talk about is more on the individual level or on the, the family home level of where the way the culture is seeping in. But as a church, there is a lot of pressure to conform. There's a lot of pressure to water down the message, to evangelize, you know, in the ways we just talked about, which isn't really evangelism. Um, there's just certain things where it's like, it's not even a conversation. It's not even on the table to compromise because we're not following the culture in these ways. As I referenced, postmodernism has crept in uh, so much in, in so many areas. And yeah, like you said, Jack, I think that's an important distinction. Like on the individual level, I think this can absolutely take place, but this is what makes people look at us and go, well, they're stuffy. They're stuffy. You know, yeah, the Church of Christ, they just don't come into the 21st century. There's a lot of that that's important because define what the 21st century means to you. If that means we're getting people in the door through instruments and through uh, choirs and through women and, and, you know, rock bands and everything else, like, well, we would rather not. Our worship is very um, traditional, not contemporary. And you see certain churches where they offer the contemporary and the traditional service. And it's just like, my goodness. And and what comes to mind is you're neither hot nor cold. I'll spit you out of your mouth, like or out of my mouth. Pick one, guys. And I think the Church of Christ does a good job of not allowing, specifically from a worship standpoint and from a church-wide standpoint, I don't think we allow kind of the... We don't, the we don't feel bullied. We don't feel pressured in. by the, well, that's just a cultural type of thing. Like, that doesn't bother right. us, at least from what I've seen. Again, specifically in worship, I think all both y'all bring up a good point about how your family and young people and the individual can very heavily be swayed by culture. But yeah, in worship, you know, if, if somebody comes to us and says, why aren't you allowing, you know, women to get up and, and pass trays in the Lord's Supper? You know, that First Corinthians, that, that, was, that was that culture, that was just back then. That we, we have answers for those. It's not like we, we turn around and go, oh, man, maybe there's some, some uh, maybe we need to give some credence to that argument. No, we know that those things aren't cultural, and we know why we believe what we believe on those things. Same thing with instruments, and that's important. Paul was just a misogynist. Paul right. was, you know, he was he was sexist, and so of course we know better than that today. Like, no, and, and again, most churches of Christ, yeah, there's a few, but most aren't swayed by that. This speaks to the Bible knowledge thing. It's not just the preachers and the elders that know that. I think a lot of members know why we don't need to be having women up there and why we don't we choose not to worship with instruments. I don't think that's just something that the quote unquote spiritually elite people know. I think your average churchgoer in the Church of Christ, your average member knows those things as well. Again, it's not one of those things where they scratch their head when somebody brings it up going, man, man, that's actually pretty convincing. Maybe it was cultural. I think most people believe it and know why they believe it. I was just going to say that is one of the things that really builds unity and camaraderie and identity is that we have things that are non-starters. They're not even a question. Like when you walk in, this is what you can expect. And we don't have to debate this anymore. We live, part of the postmodern thing is that everything is up for debate. Everything up is up for questioning. Everything is up for re-examination and all that. But you can't, there, there's no common ground then. There's no footing that's shared when we're just constantly tossing everything around of, well, maybe we keep this, maybe we keep that. When you've got a few things where it's like, you know what, if you walk into one of our buildings, there's a really good chance they're not even going to have to worry about this, 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 and this. You know, these elders, male leadership, acapella worship, Bible being preached, things like that, that, that if you know these are the hallmarks of the identity, well, then we have a starting point. And it's with, with that starting point, with the fences that that builds, 
We can debate other things within that, some of the discussions we have, some of the things we're pushing on this podcast. All of that can happen because we have some pillars of unity around us. And so uh, the fact that we're not like so many going, well, I guess we got to re-examine everything because the culture has changed. No, it's it's very good to have those solid foundations. And as Will said, from everyone from the preachers and elders down to the newest member knows, this is what we do here. This is what our family values are. And I didn't get to this on the White Pill episode, but I think it's really important that the church remains this way because this is what people need to turn to. There's going to be a, a serious need for traditional for grounded, for exactly what you just said, Jack, where you know certain things aren't up for debate. The culture is pushing postmodernism as every in every way. The culture is pushing for things to to you know they're trying to sway religion in every way. And what people need most right now is a church, a Bible believing church that stands firmly on the Word of God, preaching difficult truths, being unified in love, and being unified in these truths, and and where we're not squabbling about stupidity. Um, that's what the world needs right now. Maybe not what they want yet, but what they need. And so when the church stands firm in that, that's another white pill for me is we are going to be more poised. And I think I've said this on the podcast before, but we're going to be more poised to be like a beacon of light in this culture than we have in maybe ever in America, because people really are going to crave and desperately need biblical truth, not being swayed by culture and, and where we stand firm on something. So let me give a quick recap if y'all are ready to move to number one. For number five, we've got pre- our preaching is, is sound for the most part. Number four, our Bible literacy, relatively speaking, comparatively speaking, is up compared to the average believer. Number three, congregations we feel are very conscious of evangelism and the urgency of it. And then number two, we're not really swayed by culture on a worship level or on a church level. As we get to number one here, I'm going to let Jack kind of give the spiel for it because this was one that as we, we kind of batted it around for a while and we couldn't really figure out how to define it. It was kind of a general general feeling that we had, a general sense, but whereas some of these other ones, it was really easy to put down the wording for it as far as how to, how to phrase it, how to define it. It was a little bit tougher for this one, but as you can see, we've got it number one. We feel like this is the biggest reason for optimism for the church, the the best thing going right now for the Church of Christ. And so, Jack, I am going to hand it to you to kind of spell out and kind of define what is our number one biggest positive aspect of the Church of Christ right now. Yeah, so on the list we have it just simply as hunger for more. And that's this hunger that we see among Christians and, and, and you will... What is that hunger? What does it look like? What What do you mean when you say that? Well, the fact, I'm not going to give you statistics. I don't want to seem like we're bragging, but I also don't want to seem like, well, that's not as big as I thought. We have a decent listenership on this podcast that every single week, a certain amount of people tune in to listen to us talk Bible, talk Christianity and culture, talk, you know, all of the, the current events for an hour every week, that's really cool. And you got the guys. It's a hundred thousand people. And, that much? Yeah. Uh, right. We're up there with Rogan. Ten million people every week. <laughs> Somewhere around um, there. Is that is that good? I I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's something like that. Um, well, now now our numbers feel really insignificant, Joe. So I, that's why I'm not <laughs> Thanks, talking Joe. getting into numbers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Um, Subtract that. A few we have thousand so many that. people. You know, doing that when we put articles out, people reading that, and and it's not just our ministry because you look at the the lectureships that are around and people. 
you know, thousands of people flock to a Church of Christ lectureship or to a Lads to Leaders or to a um, to youth camps over the summer, to uh, gospel meetings. You know, a church out in the middle of nowhere can put on a gospel meeting and people will show up because they want to hear the gospel preached on a Tuesday night in September, you know, that kind of thing. Um, again, all of the, the people who are consuming this content who go on Sunday morning, go to a class, go and hear a sermon, go back Sunday night, hear another sermon, go on Wednesday night, hear a Bible class, and still go, I'd like to listen to a podcast for an hour or two or three or four a week. I'm going to go read articles when they're put out. I'm going to follow Facebook pages or Instagram pages or Twitter pages that are going to put scriptural thoughts in my my path, or I'm going to go on YouTube and listen to sermons or discussions about the Bible or whatever it may be. Uh, the fact that ministries like ours can be kept going by donors and listeners and readers and all of that is a testament to the hunger that there is out there in the church for more. The fact that a polishing the pulpit can have, I mean, what are they up to six, 7,000 people? I mean, like, it's incredible. Uh, and how many of these, they're, they're one of many events that Christians all around the country flock to. Uh, that energy itself, not even the events, not even us and the, the, the stuff, we're, we're not, that's not the positive here. The energy and the effort and, I mean, the time, the cost, there's a lot that goes into that. That is a powerful thing. I, I wanted to hit on the time thing because that's a big, you know, thing that I bring up a lot. You think about how many different things are bidding for our time, or bidding for our family's time, and the fact that, like you said, podcasts, reading books, listening to YouTube sermons, the Bible study itself, the fact that there are people out there that are truly wanting more of that, and it's the, it's kind of the same thing with with the evangelism as far as, eh, no, not really for me. I'm good. Nobody's really like that. At least I'm sure there are some for the most part, people aren't like that with Bible study for a lot of people. It's just that they simply don't know how to study any deeper. And that's why we're trying to provide all these resources. And there's, you know, dozens more out there, not just besides us that are great, but you rarely hear people that are like, eh, Bible study. Nah, not, not for me. I'm good. I don't really want to know more. You know, I'm, I'm kind of good where I'm at. Are there some people like that? Sure. But for the most part, again, I, I referenced young people earlier. I think old, some middle-aged and older people are the same way. There is a desire for more. Why do Bible classes do well? Because people want to know more. That's a really, really positive thing. And the reason why we have it, number one, is because, man, you consider, if, if that hunger wasn't there, think about if that energy, that motivation was not present it'd be a real dark future for the church. It would be a very black pill mindset if there was not a lot of hunger, not a lot of motivation, not a lot of energy surrounding learning more about the Bible and growing as a church. I, I see a lot of, I think all three of us, see a lot of energy, a lot of zeal, a lot of passion behind a lot of church members wanting to know more about the Bible, wanting to grow their congregation that really, again, gives us a white pill approach, gives us a glass half full approach for the future of the church. And to that, I want to say thanks to all our listeners. We thanked you before, we're going to thank you again, and, and we'll continue to thank you for listening and for caring about the podcast, supporting the podcast, for giving us your ideas of what you think we should cover. That's really cool, and it is not lost on us how amazing it is that you can listen. This comes out on a Monday. Yesterday, a lot of you heard two different sermons. You heard the Bible class. You you talked a lot of scripture, and it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, I'm good for the week, but no, you're, you're here. You're listening to this, and you're supporting us, and that is very, very appreciated, so we do want to say thanks, and we do want to, We did want to make this number one because I think, though, again, as, as Will talked about, we threw around some ideas of how exactly we wanted to phrase it. To me, this is the biggest one. This is the biggest one is we have people that hunger and thirst for righteousness, hunger and thirst for, for the word of God, for sound preaching. And 
yeah, I realize that, you know, our, our podcast can, especially with my hot takes and such, we can get a little out there and we can discuss some difficult things, but we have had so much positive feedback from people that just like listening to some things that, um, to some challenging ideas. People are willing to be they challenged like a little deeper. bit. Yeah, you have right. some, yeah, exactly. You have some that may push against it and that's okay. We realize we're not for everybody, but at the same time, even those people that don't like what we do, they're still in their word. They're still reading. They're still studying and listening to other things. And, and even if it's people we don't uh, always get along with, that's okay. As long as Christ is proclaimed, as Paul might say in Philippians 1, right? Like that's what we're looking for is for people to just be in their word and, and be doing solid Bible study and growing closer to him. And we have that. And so again, thank you to all of our listeners. For sure. And that's that's one of those things with the disagreement. I mean, we've got people who listen who there's there's a point at which there's sometimes it's like why do you still listen to us like you don't you seem to disagree that much and i'm not trying to drive them away but it's like why but there's again there's still that hunger and there's looking and there's the disagreement at a certain point is good because as i said earlier we have those foundational things we agree on and then we're sharpening each other in the right direction as we disagree on we're going to push certain things i mean we we don't shy away from our interpretations of certain biblical matters on this um and and that's okay like that's that's kind of the point and if you disagree all right bring your bible open it up show us where we're wrong show us where you think we're wrong we might still disagree but if there was not that energy if we were just talking out into space and nobody cared and nobody, you know, and and there were a few people who were like, "Amen, I agree with every last thing you said." Well, things wouldn't go very far. But the fact that the church has people from all different backgrounds, all over the country, reading their Bibles, trying to get this thing right, and it's going to result in some disagreement. That's okay because it means we're going somewhere. If there's never any disagreement or friction, that means you're not doing anything. And so that's another testament to this this positive momentum that the church has, this positive hunger that's out there is even found in the disagreement, even in some of the, the controversy we uh, gin up sometimes by the things we talk about on this, is the church is doing things, and that's that's a really positive thing, I think. You know, sometimes the, the disagreements themselves aren't that much fun, but uh, the result, the, the fact that they exist, I think, is a, a positive sign. I love the phrase, Jack, that you used to start the episode as, as we consider, as we're about to wrap up here. These are building blocks. These are, these are foundational things that we, we think, because our foundation is solid, the future for the church really is bright. Again, we, we harp on the negative quite a bit. There, there are things that we think are really big issues facing the church, really big threats facing the church, that, hey, if we don't fix, it, it could turn—the the ship could continue to go down. But, and that's why we talk about those things so much. However, Jack, you said, again, you said it, these are building blocks. These are foundational things that we are so thankful the church does well because if these weren't in place, it'd be a whole lot darker than it is. The future would be a whole lot darker than it is. The ship would be almost completely sunk instead of, you know, kind of going on the way down. And so that's why we wanted to do an episode on this. That's why these are things that we wanted to bring up is because these are incredibly positive things, reasons why we have a glass half full approach as far as future for the church. And one thing I want to add, you know, for our, what do we call it, our group think question of the week. What do we leave out? What, what, what is something that you see as a really positive aspect for the Church of Christ, something that the Church of Christ does really well? These are the five that we came up with. What's one that we left out? We'll make sure and we'll, we'll put that out on social media so that you can have something uh, to comment on. But again, I'm sure we missed one. These are the ones that we came up with, so, so feel free to add yours. Guys, what else do you, do you have to add before we get ready to wrap up for this week? 
All right. If nothing else, don't forget the uh, benefit dinner again next week. We will continue to mention that for at least one more week. We'd love to to meet a lot of our deep thinker listeners or think deeper listeners. We call you the deep thinkers. We'd like to meet a lot of you if you're if you're in the area and you get a Tuesday night free. Come by. Starts at six o'clock. Seven bucks a person. You get a really good barbecue dinner. You get to again hang out with all three of us. So hey, what what uh, what better deal than seven bucks to hang out with all of us, right? And bring bring your checkbook because we uh, we got some things that. We're needing to. Uh, we got so many things planned. So Exciting many cool things. things. You'll get to yeah. hear about it there. Exciting things. It does cost money to produce these things, to print new books that we have coming out. Um, I mean, there's costs associated, and we are a nonprofit that runs off of donations, and so um, that's certainly something that even if you're not coming to the benefit dinner, we would still greatly appreciate donations. But that's where you will hear some of the coolest and, and newest up to date things. You'll hear about it after, but that's going to be where we unveil some of the. Uh, the things that we have planned that we are very excited about. So please make plans to be there if you can on the 4th. Well, and right after that, uh, Lads to Leaders Nashville will be around. That's right. Uh, I know lots of people are coming to that, so uh, we'll have the table. Come say hi to us there as Don't well. Don't forget the thing deeper. The benefit dinner. Sorry, I was just going to say the giveaway that we're doing at Lads to Leaders. I'll mention it one more time, Jack, and then you can wrap us up. If, you're, if you uh, are going to be at Lads to Leaders, come by. Let us know that you're a deep thinker, that you listen to our podcast. Take a selfie with us, and you will be entered into a drawing for some free Think Deeper merchandise. Don't forget that. But sorry, Jack, you can, you can wrap us up. There you go. You do not want to miss that. And so, uh, again, thanks for listening. We appreciate all of you. Keep up the good work, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.